Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series that we started uh, four weeks ago. This is week number five now, called Make Yourself at Home. And um, the series has been uh, found itself uh, uh, out of the scripture in John 15 um, that talks about uh, abiding in Christ and, and uh, being rooted in Christ. And the particular uh, verse is John 15:9. It says, um, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. And so that's what we've been talking about. We're talking about getting some good roots in to Christ in order that we might be fruitful. And so we've been developing these roots over the last weeks that, that we talked about. And, and I keep going back to the first one. We'll do them all in review again just quickly. But the first one was being thankful. And I want to bring it up again. And, and I told you I'm going to keep doing this for a while. Because to me this is, this is the, the heart of the matter and what we really need to work on in all of our lives is learning to be thankful. And that um, I encouraged you to, before you even get out of bed, think about five things that you're thankful for. And let that be how you start your day. Because otherwise what happens is the weight of the world slips in and we get caught up in the fears of the world and, and we become just another part of the grumpy culture around us. And it is a very grumpy world. And it's a fearful world. And the news likes to take every situation and spin it up and whip it up and, and because people keep watching. And if we're not thankful, we, get, we just get absorbed into it. And so we need to learn to be thankful. And, um, and so we, we start with that. And then I said as part of that, and um, when we start the next series, I'm going to be talking about the ministry of encouragement. And that we, we kick that off, though, with the beginning of this series, uh, simply by being thankful and trying to find two people every day to encourage. And that you make this a part of your normal life. Two people every day that you go out of your way to encourage after you're encountering you, either in person or on the phone or on Facebook or on Twitter or somewhere, after the encounter they have with you, they feel encouraged. And that everybody needs to make that their habit. And that we need to take this thing in. And so we started there. And, and that root is, is one that we have to firmly establish in the Lord. And then we talked about hope in the second week. And I said that, that hope, the, the way that I would define hope, is a passionate trusting in the Lord. And that any time we put our hope, our passionate trust in anything else, we're going to be disappointed. If we get our, our passionate trust in people, we're going to be disappointed. If we get our passionate trust in our jobs, we're going to be disappointed. If we get our passionate trust in our money, we're going to be disappointed because all those things will let us down. But, but when our hope is in the Lord, that's where we find life. We talked in the third week about joy. And I said that the joy really should be the hallmark of the Christian. It should be how we're known. And yet somehow over time, um, most people sort of view Christianity as a rules of do's and don'ts. It's a, it's a bunch of lists that we follow and far too many Christians don't exhibit much joy. Uh, and, and they've missed the point. And we looked at the scripture that said it's, it's not about eating and drinking or rules and regulations. It's about uh, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we talked about developing that, knowing that God's got us in the midst of all situations and, and how important that was. And then last week, we talked about the root of faith and that... Um, that we, we need to be a people of faith. 
uh, a people who understand that God is bigger than everything that we come up against. And that, that, uh, he, that Jesus has inaugurated the kingdom on his first uh, time here. And when he comes back, he sets it all right. But in the meantime, we live in this tension of the, of the now and the not yet. And our faith allows us to uh, pray and expect God to move in the now with the power of the not quite yet. And so we talked about a faith and, and that, that it's faith that pleases God. Lives of faith please God. So these are, are the four roots that we've established so far. We're going to end this series today by talking about a fifth root. And today I want to talk about love. Now, some of these roots are similar to some of the fruit that's produced, but, but we have to get these roots solid in order to really produce the fruit that comes from them as the Holy Spirit works in us. And so um, love is, is one of the fruits of the Spirit, but, but I also see it as something that we need to be rooted in, in, in particular knowing what God's love is all about. And that's what the root needs to be, so that we can then exhibit the love of God to others. And I thought love would be a good thing to talk about since it is Mother's Day um, this weekend, and, and uh, uh, it's, this, this seemed the time together, tie together. So before I, I jump into this, I, I thought about some things that, uh, uh, that my mom taught me. And uh, uh, my mom's birthday was a couple of days ago. I talked to her, and, and she lives in Texas, and it's always good to talk to her. And I'll call her again tomorrow for Mother's Day. Um, she, she's English. She, she, my, my mother and father immigrated here in the late fifties and, uh, they were both very English. Um, and, uh, my mom's still alive and she's still got an English accent. So it's, it's always funny to talk to her. And, uh, uh, so, so we were chatting and I, and we were, she, she always wants to reminisce now. Um, um, so anyway, we were chatting and I, I thought of some things that my mother taught me and I thought I'd share them with you. 10 things that my mom taught me about life. Um, the first one is that my mom taught me about religion by saying, you better pray, that'll come out of the carpet. <laughs> my mom taught me about logic because I said so, that's why. My mom taught me about irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. My mom taught me about hypocrisy. If I told you once... I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. My mom taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into the world, and I can take you out. (laughs) With my kids, I would always say, I can make another one just like you. (laughs) My mom taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. My mom taught me about envy. There are millions of children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you do. My mom taught me about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. My mom taught me about stamina. You'll sit there until all that spinach is gone. And finally, my mom taught me about humor. When that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. (laughs) Things I learned from my mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. So, I want to talk about today the, the love of God and perhaps the best verse on the love of God is John 3.16. Most of you know that verse. 
for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, our only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a, a popular verse at sporting events and concerts. And it seems like somebody's always got the sign they're holding up. And, uh, and it really is an amazing verse about the love of God. And I would suggest that if that's the only verse you knew and you believed it, you'd be all right. If that was all the Bible you had was John 3.16, you'd be with Jesus forever. It's that powerful of a verse. And there are a few things that I want to talk about today that that verse talks about uh, in, in the love of God that we need to understand so that we can really be rooted in His love, that we can be very much at home in the love of God. So let's hop into those few things uh, tonight. The first one is this, uh, something we all need to know, is that God's love is extravagant. Um, when you look at that verse in, in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, um, that little word there right in the beginning, so, uh, we might just sort of pass over or skip over that word. It doesn't seem like much of a word, so. But uh, in the original language in the Greek, it's actually uh, called an adverb of intensity. And what it means is, it means a whole lot. Um, that, that God so loved the world. And, and it has this um, meaning in it that God's love for you is intense and extravagant. And, and no one will ever love you as much as God does. Ephesians 1.4 from the message paraphrase says this, Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Romans 8, 38 and 39 in the NIV, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love for you is unconditional and unfailing. And it isn't based on what you do or who you are. It's based on who He is. And God's love will allow you to handle anything that comes your way. God's love will allow you to handle anything that comes your way. Ephesians 3.18 says, and, and may you be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high His love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. And so at last you will be filled up with God Himself. See, what God wants is for us to experience His love. Um, it's, it's one thing to talk about knowing, and, and, and yet He wants us to experience His love. He, he wants you to feel His love, to, to settle in His love. He, he wants you to know how, how wide, long, and high, and deep His love is. His love is, is long enough to last forever. It's wide enough to be everywhere you're going to be. 
And it's deep enough to handle any problem. And this is the way that God loves you. And, and all of us need to be settled in. This extravagant love of God. To know that, that He loves us. And it's not on our performance. It's not about how good we are, how not good we are, or anything else. It's all based on Him. And He chooses to love you extravagantly. And if we can settle in His love, it changes everything. If we can really know that it's really not our performance, it's just who we are, and, and living this thing out the best that we can, it allows us to settle in the amazing love of God. Because His love for us is extravagant. That's the first thing you need to know about His love from John 3.16. The second thing I want you to know about it is that, that God's love actually sacrifices for you. In, in John 3.16 it says that He so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. God so loved that He gave. And, and see, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And God demonstrates this in His giving of His one and only Son, Jesus, to pay for our sins with His life, that we might have life with Him forever. Colossians 1.15 says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. 1 John 2.2 He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Because of his sacrifice, we can now have relationship with God for eternity, apart from his sacrifice, which he did by love. We can't, because he's holy and perfect, and we're not. I was thinking about this. Um, I'm sure most of you have been to an amusement park at some point in time in your life, right? And, and uh, have you ever noticed on some of those rides where they have sort of the cardboard cutout of a, of a child and it says you have to be this tall to ride this ride? Have you ever seen those? You ever been to an amusement park with a child that's about this short <laughs> of those rides? And, and that's all they really want to do is get in those rides? And, and maybe you've tried to bargain with the people that run the rides for whatever you can do bribe whatever how about an extra 10 bucks can, what's we going to take to get my child on this ride because he's this short and they won't let you you can't do it you can't get there you have to be this tall well here's my suggestion or my thought outside of heaven there's this big wooden cutout <laughs> And it says you have to be in Christ in order to come in. And that's the only way in. You can't get in any other way. You can't bribe your way in. You can't talk your way in. You can't. It's only in Christ that you're ever tall enough to make it in. And, and, and see, he's made a way for us. Our part is just to do it. And, and that's the third point, which is God's offer of love to you. Again, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How do we get in Christ? 
Um, this is God's offer of love to you, and it's called salvation. Salvation, that's what it means when we're in Christ. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, all people. It's available to everyone. Acts 10.35, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do as he says, the door is open. So how do we accept this amazing offer of love? It says, whoever believes in him shall not perish. Romans 10, 9 and 10, we picked this up the other day, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. We talked about that last week when we talked about faith. That, that it's, it's, it's the start, it's the step of faith that we take that realizes that, that we're not tall enough for the ride and that we'll never be tall enough. We're not going to grow anymore. We'll never be perfect enough for entrance. And we can only be done in Christ because of what he did for the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And that when we accept that, when we, when we realize that, that we need help to get in, that we can't, we'll never be tall enough, that we ask Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of our lives. We believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that He's Lord, that He made a way, that He's our Savior. In that, then we have life everlasting. And it, and it starts now. And three things happen when we accept that amazing offer. 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says this, What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have Him, this Father of our Master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. And have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. Three amazing things happen when we come to Christ, when we, when we give our lives to Him and we're in Christ. The, the first amazing thing that verse tells us is we get our past forgiven. See, we get a brand new life. I think sometimes we, we sort of we hear that, it sounds good, but I don't, I don't think we often let it sink in. The mess that you've made has been forgiven in Christ. It's taken care of. And yet we let it bother us and haunt us and, and, and run our lives all the time. It's been forgiven. It's been forgiven. We get a brand new life. And I don't think it's a one-time deal. I think I keep getting a brand new life every morning. And then shortly after there, I get another brand new life because I've already messed up before I get out of the house. And then I get another brand new life shortly after that and, and on and on and on. A brand new life because our past has been forgiven. We get also a purpose for living. It says that we have everything to live for. See, oftentimes people get discouraged with life because they, they don't understand what they're supposed to be here for, what they're supposed to be doing, what, what's it all about? Like a lot of people, what's, what's it all about? It just seems so meaningless. And, and it's easy to slip into that when you, you sort of get caught in your routine and you just are kind of moving through the day and doing your job and you're going home and doing what you've got to do and you go to bed and you wake up and you start the process again and it just seems what it's all about. But see, in Christ you have purpose. God created you for a purpose and a, and a, a meaning and you make a difference. And it's... it's you know, we keep, I think a lot of times we're looking for these really big things to do. 
And I, I tell you, it's in the little things that make all the difference in life. Something as simple as that ministry of encouragement. Impacting two people a day can change everything. Not only for them, but for you. And, and so these are the things we're called to. It gives us purpose. We have everything to live for until he comes back. And we have all the time this promise of a future in heaven. So, so we know, see, that, that our past has been forgiven and that our future is taken care of. It allows us to live in the now and have a diff, make a difference, have a purpose, have a meaning. And all that starts, and it says that it starts now when we accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. And, and that it's in that process that all this begins to connect. Now, my prayer is that you've come to that point already. And that at some point along the way, you've, you've already asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, I'm going to encourage you to pray to do that tonight, and we'll do that as we pray. But even having done that, sometimes I think we, we get so wrapped up in the mess around us that we, we really don't feel forgiven. And we really aren't quite settled in what the future holds. And, and it allows it to mess up the present so we can't find life here. And it just seems all out of sorts. But, but if you know Christ, if you're in Christ, he wants to put all that together for you. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have circumstances, because we do. We live in a fallen world. It's a broken planet. Stuff happens. You can never get past that. That's a part of this, this age. The age to come, it'll all be perfect. But in this age, the little g-god of this age likes to mess things up. We've certainly messed things up. And, and, and so we, we deal with those things. But we can do it in a way knowing that that our God, that Jesus, is the, the God creator of all things. And he loves us. And he's for us. And, and the future starts now in him. He's already got us. He's already moving us along. And, and our part is just to say yes and where do we go and what do you want us to do? And he takes care of the rest. And so I encourage you, if you if already know Jesus... Then, then remember those things and, and develop these roots well in, in your life. That, that these five roots would be something that you'd be aware of and thinking about all the time. That, that you would be a thankful, hopeful, joyful, faithful, loved person. With your past forgiven, your future promised, and a purpose for now that's fulfilling. That these are the amazing things we get in Christ. And, and when we understand that, that when we're at home in Him, this is, this is the love that we experience. And so make yourself at home in His love. And enjoy it. And experience it. And know it. And it will make a difference in you and in the world around us. Amen? Amen. Um, if you're watching my video, thanks for watching. And if you need anything... Call us or, or write us, and we'd be happy to do what we can. But we're going to go ahead and close with prayer tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us and your faithfulness to us and your love for us. And your movement in our lives. That, that we can make